you know, like keys for the kingdom of God and how God wants to build us as people. And he's not necessarily interested in us trying to build a church, but he wants to build us. And I gave you uh, several, you know, brief things uh, that God would do to use to build people. One, I preached a couple of messages. One was the Word of God, how God wants to use the Word in our life. Another one was, was doing the will, knowing and doing the will of God. And that's what I shared briefly with you last week. And I shared one with you, uh, a tremendous thing that really happened to me personally uh, on forgiveness and how forgiveness is such an important um, revelation. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about forgiveness um, because I believe forgiveness, you know, is just a, is crucial for us. Let's, let's read this first. Let me just read Luke 6. Turn on your Bible to Luke 6, uh, verse 37 and 38. Um, and I want to uh, just let you know, these are, I, was, I had to fill out an application one time, and, and one of the questions on the application was, what are the three greatest sins a Christian can, can commit? The three greatest sins that a Christian commit, can commit. And most of the time you think about, uh, you know, adultery or murder or something like that, but I don't believe that's really what the Bible teaches at all. I believe right here in, in verse 37 is really the three greatest sins sins outside of blasphemy of the Spirit. Um, but assuming you're a Christian, you know, you can't be a Christian and blaspheme the Spirit. Them two don't work, you know, because that's really totally denying the Spirit of Christ. But verse 37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So I believe three of the greatest sins any Christian could ever commit is, number one, is unrighteous judgment. Number two is condemnation, or we can call it criticism. Uh, and the third one is, forg- is unforgiveness, not forgiveness. In fact, those are the three like most ungraceful things, qualities that we could have in our life, is, is, is judging, condemning, and, and refusing to forgive. And, and the Lord says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, Let's get this. The same measure that you use. So if you're a condemner, if you're a critical person, it will be measured back to you. That's why I think it's the three most deadly sins. Because if, we are, if we're critical, then guess what's going to happen to us? We are going to be criticized. If we are judging, if we're a judgmental person, we are going to be judged. And if we refuse to forgive, the Lord himself says, I can't forgive you. His, in other words, His forgiveness, it says that, you know, the, the quote, what we call the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive the trespasses of others. And, and meaning this, you know, God releases forgiveness as we release forgiveness. Amen? You, you see, it's such an important thing. And, and, and the thing about forgiveness is this. It's something we all have to deal with on a, on a regular basis. It's nothing we ever grow beyond. We never get too mature to have to forgive. Or we're not too uh, immature. You know, even in a training of our children, we had to train them to, to apologize and, and train them to, re, to, to forgive. And, and it's, so it's really just a critical thing. Now, um, here's, you know, just, here's three thoughts. Number one, forgiveness is much easier to talk about than to give. Isn't that right? It's easy to sit here and preach a message on forgiveness, but it's hard for me to go and forgive. You hear what I'm saying? And, and another thing is note the key word in forgiveness. 
is the last part of the word, give. Everybody say give. It's something that we have to give. And that's the word's made up of give. That's another thing is, this is a, a wonderful quote made by someone. I don't really know who, but I read it one time, and I don't remember where I read it. But it says, refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and, it, and expecting the person you refuse to forgive to get sick. Did you get that? It's like you, it, it's like you drinking the poison and expecting the person you refuse to forgive, they're going to be the one that's going to be affected. That's the way unforgiveness Tree affects us. It's like an illogical thing. It makes no sense. We, we think we can get away with unforgiveness and it's not going to hurt us. But it really hurts us real bad. And then another one is refusing to forgive gives birth to bitterness. You got that? It gives, that's where bitterness comes from is unforgiveness. And this is what bitterness is. Bitterness is the devil's counterfeit. Okay? Bitterness is the devil's counterfeit for brokenness. You got that? It's the devil's counterfeit for brokenness. In other words, when God is trying to work some brokenness into your life, okay, many times we become bitter instead of broken. You know, God allows things to happen to us, and those things can either break us or make us bitter. And, you know, it's not good to be bitter. <laughs> well, um... You know, as most of you guys well know, back last year, God really gave me a tremendous revelation about His grace. Okay? I mean, I mean, I just really had a true revelation from God about grace and really understood grace on a much deeper level than I had ever experienced it. But here was the problem. Okay? There was still something in my life that was grieving the Holy Spirit. Okay? There was something in me that was wrong. And I, it, was, it was in there. I knew it was wrong. And, and then one day God said this to me. He said something like this. Uh, forgiveness really is a grace. That's what he said to me. It really is a grace. And if, if you're going to live a graceful lifestyle, then forgiveness is really going to be a part of your life. And I knew what the Lord was talking about because I had some bitterness in me about a situation I had went through in my life and that I got wounded in, okay? And it wasn't a one-time situation. This, I went through a situation for almost two years that I was wounded numerous times in a relationship. Most of the time, that's where, let's face it, most of the time that's where our forgiveness comes through. It comes through relationships with other people. It doesn't come through some, somebody we don't know, you know, saying something or doing something to us. Normally, it's, it's through people that we know. And normally, unfortunately, it's people that we're close to, Right? If somebody's far off from me, they're going to have a hard time hurting me. You know, I can, they can say stuff about me. I'm thinking, well, they're idiots. You know, <laughs> who cares what they say? But somebody close to me can really have an effect on me. So I went through this situation with this person, and it wasn't a one-time shot. In other words, I took a numerous uh, shots, so to speak, and I was dealing with this situation and trying to forgive this person. Okay? And... Um, but it just kept coming up. I knew something was wrong because the person could walk in the room and maybe I'd have my back to them and I would hear them talking and this thing would rise up in me. You know, it was like, what in the world? Why are they having to say that? You know, just this, these negative things. So I knew, I just knew something was wrong. But I would keep going back and to the Lord and keep, you know, forgiving them and, uh, you know, and trying to work through it. And even went and, I mean, this was an extreme situation where me and this person even went and went to a third party 
to try to resolve our differences. Another pastor, and he, you know, he couldn't. Well, he tried to help us. Um, and so I, it went on for a while, and I, I really, it was just a struggle in my life. I had unforgiveness in my heart towards this person. And, and in spite of having a real revelation of grace, in spite of God saying, Byron, unforgiveness is very ungraceful. You know, so I still, it just like I just couldn't. So I was just seeking counsel. Uh, even went, you know, even one of the, the, the pastor's prayer meeting and just at one point asked, asked these pastors, like getting like, you know, you ever went to a pastor for counsel? Well, I went to like, they were like six or seven pastors there. I went to six or seven pastors at one time and asked them for counsel. You know, so you get like six or seven people, you know, giving you their counsel. <laughs> Some more than once, you know, and just getting a lot of good counsel too. A lot of right stuff. But I was still struggling. It was like, you know, yeah, I believe that. Yes, that's right. But the thing was still just there. I still wasn't free from it. I knew I wasn't free from it. I knew, you know, inside of me the Holy Spirit was saying, no, Byron, I'm grieved. I'm grieved. He's grieved when we have unforgiveness. He is, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't make him happy. He's grieved. Not that he forsakes you. He just says, this is not right. If you're really going to walk in the grace of God, you know, we need to make it right. Well, um, amen. There you go. Come on. Y'all can get amen on me. That'd be good. Well, here's what happened to me. This is, this is terrible. I have this other friend who, happen, who happens to be a pastor that I'm a good friend with, and I was talking to him one day about something else completely different, and he says, oh, yeah, I talked to so-and-so, so-and-so being the person who really hurt me for two years, and so-and-so said this. He really hurt you. And when he said that, my blood boiled. I said, he said, what? He said, he really hurt you, and he really knows he didn't do you right. Well, I mean, I was so mad I couldn't hardly, you know, it's like, mm, you know. So I just didn't say nothing because I was too mad to say anything. I knew anything I was going to say at that point was going to be a bad sin. So the next day, <laughs> the next day, I called him back. I said, hey, I'm really having a hard time about what you said so-and-so said to you about him really hurting me because so-and-so has never apologized to me for what he did. And I'm upset about it. And he said, well, you know, and he gave me good counsel. In fact, I told, I told Becky, he gave me the exact counsel I would have given me. Well, you can't judge him. You can't criticize him. You're just going to have to accept him and forgive him. He told me that, but I was not freed. You hear what I'm saying? I was not freed in my heart. I was not able to let it go. So, had that conversation, listen to what he had to say, you know, Lord bless you, blah, blah, blah. I hung up the phone and I wasn't helped. Okay? So, I go to my, I'm getting ready to cut my grass. Okay? Thought I'm going to go to the mailbox first. I go to the mailbox and I get a tape of the month subscription. And I get and open this tape, and there's a tape in this thing. And the name of the tape is, was Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. Remember I mentioned trying to get R.T. Kendall? I'm still working on getting R.T. Kendall to come here, but he's hard to get to come anywhere. But, uh, so I thought, man, I believe the Lord wants me to listen to this tape. So I listened to it. And it really, the Lord really spoke to me in that tape. He really nailed me in this tape about forgiveness. And honestly, it, I was able to get set free based on what 
the message that he had in this tape. And it really helped me identify and understand what total forgiveness really is and where I wasn't totally forgiven. In other words, it helped me to come to an agreement with the Word of God and submit myself to the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to really release forgiveness in my life. Because that's, that's how it works. It's not your flesh that you're doing it. You're, allowing, you're, you're lining yourself up with what God's Word says. Okay? And that's how it works. So, I don't normally do this. Okay? I don't normally you just take somebody else's stuff and, and say it. Okay? But this message was so impacting, and it worked in my life. I'm not going to share exactly what he shared in the tape. If you want a tape, I've spent about 75 bucks buying people this tape and giving it to people who I know suffer from unforgiveness and saying, you need to hear this. But um, I, I do want to share basically what he shared from the tape. So I want, what I'm trying to say to you at this point, I want to give all the credit not to Byron Wecker's personal revelation. Uh, this was what R.T. Kendall, this was his revelation on total forgiveness. And so I just want to make that clear. I don't normally do that kind of thing, but... So if, I'm, if I do do it, I want to give, I want to, uh, there, I want to have, it's holy plagiarism, okay? You know what plagiarism is? You take somebody else's stuff. Well, you can't take somebody else's stuff, okay, if you're, if you're ministering. You can't take, you don't, you are not allowed to do that unless it becomes a reality in your life. If it's real to you, then you can, you can do it. So, um, but first of all, what I want to do is this. Now, this, this part wasn't in his tape, and, and I got a lot of it in his book, basically. But this is what I got a lot from the counsel I received from the pastors about what total forgiveness is not. Okay? This is what it's not. Now, this will help you. Okay? Because, see, I had some false concepts in my mind about what forgiveness really is. And I was making some things forgiveness that are not forgiveness, which was hindering me. So there's nine things what total forgiveness is not, okay? This was, these, when I was really getting counsel on this, when I realized some of these things were, I was starting to come into forgiveness because I was trying to equate these with forgiveness. All right, the first one, number one, total forgiveness is not approval of what they did. It is not approval of what they did. It's not an endorsement of the wrong that a person did. You're not endorsing they did right. In other words, God does not approve of sin on any level, but yet He totally forgives us of our sins, right? So number one, it's not approval of what they did. Number two, it does not excuse what they did. When you totally forgive, you are not excusing what the person did. You're not, get, you know, allowing that to be like there wasn't a wrong committed. committed. You're not trying to explain away the wrong. You got that? That's important. It's not explained away. Number three, it's not justifying what they did. Justify means to make right or just. If you totally forgive somebody, it doesn't mean they didn't still didn't do something that was wrong. You got that? You're not saying because, see, it, that will keep you from giving, for, for, from forgiveness. Because you believe, if you believe forgiveness, saying what they did was right, then, you, you know, you'll never be able to forgive because there's some things that just flat ain't right. Number four, are you all with me so far? Total forgiveness is not pardoning what they did. It's not pardoning. You know what a pardon is? It's a legal transaction that releases an offender from the consequences of their actions. Okay? The total forgiveness does not release the person who did the wrong from any consequence that God, let's get that straight, that God, not you, not me, may allow into that person's life. Did y'all get that? Pardoning. In other words, I can go out and commit some terrible sins. 
God may say, Byron, I totally forgive you, but guess what? Those terrible sins that you committed are going to cause these things to happen in your life. They, the consequences still may come. You understand what I'm saying? So when you totally forgive somebody, in a sense, you are releasing, and we'll get more into this in a minute, you're releasing the, the punishment into God's hand. If they need to be punished, God, you need to punish them, not me. And I'll talk, talk to you about that. Number five, this was a biggie, reconciliation. Total forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is a completely different issue in the Bible. Jesus did not say, if you don't reconcile, I won't, I won't forgive. He says, you've got to forgive. He didn't say reconciliation because recon- reconciliation implies a restoration of the relationship. You can totally forgive somebody and not be restored to the relationship. You got that? Now, that's freeing, especially for certain types of things like, you know, you know serious abuse or something like that. Doesn't mean you go put yourself back into that situation because that was part of my problem about forgiveness. That means I got to go back, forgive this person, get back up under the thing that was just wearing my tail out. You hear what I'm saying? And I just could not, in my heart, do that. Therefore, I equated that with forgiveness. So I thought, man, I can't forgive this person because that means I go back and they're going to beat the fire out of me some more. I just can't take the beatings no more. Yet God was not asking to go back and take the beatings. That's a really important one. That one really helped me. All right, number six, total forgiveness is not denying what they did. It's not suppressing or repressing the fact that a wrong occurred just so you can deal with it. Has anybody ever did that? Somebody did you wrong and you just sort of suppress it down in your heart like it really, you know, just just so you can deal with it. It really didn't happen. You know, they say people who are abused as as children do that. They suppress it just you know, just so they can deal with it. Well, that's not what total forgiveness is. Another one is total forgiveness is not blindness to what happened. Blindness is like just looking the other way, okay? It's like a, explaining away that a wrong occurred. That's not what total forgiveness is. It does not explain away that something bad happened. All right, number eight. This is another one. Everybody, yeah, this is, everybody believes this is true. You've got to forgive and forget, brother. And that is not. Forgetting, total forgiveness does not mean you forget. Some wrongs we may never forget. Okay? In fact, God wants us to remember some things that were done wrong to keep you, your foolish self, from getting back into the situation. He reminds you, remember how bad that hurt you? Don't go do that again. I'm not going to let you forget it. Doesn't mean you haven't totally forgiven. See, we have this, let's forgive and forget. That's not biblical. Let's forgive. We don't have to forget. Now, there's some things we probably should forget, but not everything. And number nine, this is another one. Everybody does this one. Total forgiveness is not pretending you're not hurt. In other words, you got hurt. No, I'm not hurt. But deep down inside, you're crying on the inside. Deep down inside, you're wounded on the inside. No. No. It doesn't mean that. You got hurt. You were done wrong. You were mistreated. Somebody took advantage of you or whatever it is. That happened. That's true. You don't pretend it didn't. That's still, you you see what I'm saying? Now, those are nine things. Once you realize those things are not forgiveness, don't make them forgiveness. That right there, once I was starting to get that, oh, I can start seeing light. I can forgive. I'm hurt. I don't have to pretend I'm not hurt. I don't have to go and be reconciled to this person. I don't have to get my, put myself back in that relationship that I'm, going to get, that I'm going to get messed up in. But I do have to forgive. Okay? So those, are really, those things will really help you 
you know, on this, you know, journey towards forgiveness. All right, now, let's go, and, th- and, and this is really what R.T. taught. This is great revelation. It's in Genesis 45. Let's go and look at Genesis 45. What total forgiveness is, okay? And what R.T. was saying, he says this is like an objective test, okay? It's like an objective test to, to see if you have really totally forgiven, all right, it's like almost you got a checklist. To me, it's like a checklist. In my mind, you're going down this list to see, have I totally, this will tell me if I have totally forgiven or not. And this is really where the Lord got me when I was listening to this. But let's just read uh, in Genesis 45, and this is about Joseph. Everybody, let me just give you a, a quick summary of the life of Joseph. Remember, Joseph was one of Jacob's sons, his second and what, not his youngest, but second youngest. Benjamin was the youngest. Joseph was his, his father's pet. Jacob loved, loved Joseph. And, he, yeah, and you remember all his brothers, who they are. Judah, Reuben, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's, that's Jacob's sons, those 12 guys. And Joseph was one of them. Well, Joseph was a brat. Okay, he was obnoxious, obviously obnoxious. Irritated his brothers real bad. Joseph was a very gifted person was a, you know, a prophetic person, had dreams, very foolishly shared his dreams of world domination with his brothers. He had dreams of his brothers bowing down to him. He had, had dreams of the stars in heaven bowing down to him. Well, if you're a brat, you're, you're daddy's pet, and, you, and your brothers already despise you, you're sharing that, you're really going to, especially these kind of brothers, you know, these are like take-no-a-prisoner's type approach brothers, you know. We think about Judah like, oh, that means praise, and... You know, just Dan and, you know, all these gentle things. And these guys were not gentle guys. These were the kind of guys you did not want to mess with. They would kill your hide. And that's exactly what they tried to do to Joseph. Joseph's daddy made him this wonderful coat called the coat of many colors. We've all heard about that. And so he prances out and, and his daddy sends him out. You know, Joseph's at home with dad while his brothers are out working. Daddy sends him out to check on his brothers. His brothers see him, and they think, here he comes. You know, let's get that rascal. We're going to fix him. They were going to kill him. They actually threw him in a pit to kill him and decided, no, their heart, one of them's heart, I just can't do that. But there were these guys, these, this caravan of, 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 of Canaanite-type people. They uh, actually they were Ishmaelites. Isn't that what it says? They were Ishmaelites. They actually sold Joseph, their brother, to these Ishmaelites, sold him into slavery, took his coat of many colors, ripped it up, poured some animal blood on went home to daddy. An animal got Joseph and killed him. We're so sorry. Broke their daddy's heart. Crushed their daddy. Their brothers were smug. You know, we dealt with that little obnoxious guy. So these were the kind of brothers. <laughs> yeah, you don't want brothers like that, right? <laughs> well, of course you know the story. Joseph winds up down in Egypt, down at Potiphar's house, and God's favor is on this man in an incredible way. Everything Joseph does is blessed. He winds up becoming the head of Potiphar's house so much that he's blessed in the wrong way because Potiphar's wife starts liking him and tries to make advances at him. And, of course, Joseph, being a godly man, refuses. And it winds up that he gets falsely accused and gets thrown in jail. Uh, and guess what happens in jail? The jailers, the favor of God so much on Joseph, the jailer makes him the, most, the number two guy in the whole jail. He's in charge of everybody in the jail. And starts, you know, interpreting dreams. I mean, just God is using him wherever he goes, there's favor on him. 
This goes on for approximately 20 years. Okay? Then the Pharaoh has these dreams that are disturbing. Nobody can answer them. And one guy says, oh, yeah, I remember. There was a guy in prison that could interpret dreams. This was a guy who had been in prison for a while and gotten out and got restored to favor. They go get Joseph. They haul him before the Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells his dream, Joseph, oh, heck, that's obvious. God can tell you exactly what that means. He's a pretty broken guy at this point. But he, he was able to speak the interpretation of the dream, able to give Pharaoh the counsel of what he needs to do to be able to deal with the situation that the dreams and that God was saying this is what's going to happen in the earth. And, and, and Joseph knew exactly what should happen to be able to take care of the situation, which basically has something to do with a great famine coming that was going to last many years, seven years, a time of plenty, then a time of famine. And Joseph gave Pharaoh counsel on what to do. Guess what? Joseph becomes like the vice president of Egypt. You know what I mean? He is the number two guy. He is fat cat said He's in charge. Pharaoh just says, you're in charge of all this. Go do it. Pharaoh's sitting back in his house, you know, laughing and drinking and having a party. He lets Joseph go out and run his, his thing for him. So Joseph's going out running his thing. And nations or people are coming to Joseph and bowing down to him just like he had dreamed when he was a child. Because he had control of the world's food supply. And if one person had control of the world's food supply today, guess what everybody would be doing to that one person? Everybody would be bowing down because you're going to starve if you don't go and, you know, and, and bow to this man and do what he says to do. You know, that may happen one day with the Antichrist, so don't do it. <laughs> bow to Jesus. But that, he does really have control of the world's food supply. Well, that was what was happening. So we're talking, you know, he was two years into this deal. Joseph was. Everybody coming and bowing to him. All this is in the Bible, by the way. Um, I'm just telling it to you. Um, so then one day, guess what? Jacob, Jacob, Isaac's son, his granddaddy was Abraham. Guess what's happening to them? They're running out of food because of this drought. The man, you know, the people of God are fixing to starve. So they, Jacob sends, hauls, sends his boys down there. Joseph recognizes his brothers, okay? Plays a bunch of games with them at first just to sort of try to fill them out, see what was really going on with them. Because there was another brother named Benjamin that he was using to sort of see where these guys' hearts was at. But finally, it came to the point where Joseph was going to reveal himself to his brothers. Now, you've got to remember, Joseph had the upper hand. It was payback time. These guys did him wrong, even though he was a brat. And maybe in some ways deserved to just be beat up, you know, given a black eye or something by his brothers, but not to be thrown, you know, not to be sold into slavery. So it was payback time. But God had done something in Joseph's life in those 22 years where Joseph could face these guys and totally forgive them for basically, in a natural way of looking at, ruining his life. Okay? So that's where we're at in the story, where Joseph met these guys, and instead of saying, gotcha, I am going to put it to you boys now. I've been waiting for 22 years to get you guys. I'm on top now. Guess who's going to suffer? But he didn't do that. And that's, that's what I want to read. Let me read verse 1 through 10. 
in, in Genesis 45. Y'all with me? Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him and cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept out loud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. In other words, they were scared to death. Like, good Lord, this is Joseph. Man, we did him in, and now he's going to do us in. I mean, that's what they were feeling. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. He's, you know, getting God in this thing. For these two years the family has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. So that was Joseph's revelation of himself to his brothers after 22 years of being separated from them, after 22 years of carrying the wrong that they did in his heart. And this is, this is what really total forgiveness is. All right, number one. Total, and this is in verse 1. Total forgiveness. Now, I want you to use this as a checklist, okay, to see if you've totally forgiven whoever that person is, okay? If you fail on one of these points, then you have not totally forgiven them, and you need to go back to God. Total forgiveness does not, exceed, does not seek to expose what the person did. Total forgiveness does not seek to expose what the person did. In verse 1 and 2, uh, or verse 1, it says, Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from here. So no one stood with Joseph while he made himself known as brothers. In other words, here's the thing. Joseph...